Well, good morning, everybody. So glad that you made it out today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor here at Rise, and just so glad that if you are a guest with us for the very first time, we're honored that you're here and uh, you are our guest. I always invite our guests to come at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why. We know that anytime you go to a place that you've never been, sometimes it's hard to get the feel of it the first time. So we invite people to come out at least three times. Most people do, and they come out, and hopefully you'll find spiritual family with us. I uh, also want to welcome everybody watching online on our Facebook Live page. We've actually launched that about a month ago, and we've seen such great traction with it. And so whether you're online right now or you're watching your PJs or maybe you're on vacation watching it later, so glad that you're here with us today. Uh, we are continuing a series called Our Imperfect Family. Everybody say, Our imperfect family. And what's uh, been great about this series is we wanted to talk about family. We know that God has a lot to say about family, and it could be really hard to have a family in this world, and really how to raise kids, how to be in a marriage, and there's a lot of uh, just, you know, unique circumstances that all of us go through, and so we wanted to talk about that today and uh, just kind of be able to uh, see what God has to say about it. Also, if you're on Facebook, go ahead and check in on your phone right now. You're like, can I bring my phone out in church? Yes, you can, and so go ahead and check in. Let people know you're here at Rise, and uh, we're going to jump in very, very soon real quick. Before I do... um, I want to give some series ground rules, so I don't do this for every series, but this is a unique series, and so I just want to give you, just on the front end, a couple of thoughts. Number one, I'm not speaking as an expert, okay? So I'm not coming up here going like, hey, I have it all figured out. Here's my family. Let me show you the model family, what you need to be like. That's not true. Uh, if you've been around my kids any longer than 30 seconds, you'll find out that is not true. And so uh, families are hard, so I'm not speaking as an expert, but I want to do is I want to open up scripture and talk to the, and we're going to talk about family from the expert. And so we're going to kind of get some ideas from him about really from God about about what it is to be in this family and so I'm not speaking as an expert we're all learning together but I say we're all learning yeah we're all learning together and so second thing is this is I'm going to speak sensitively I know that all of us come from different family backgrounds um, when I say father or I say mother or I say family even that can almost bring up a weird feeling inside of us and so I just want you to know I'm speaking sensitively and you right now might be in a family situation that you did not plan maybe you're going through something really really struggling you're, you're it's tough right now and I want you to know that the whole point of this series is hopefully to give you some great tips on how to really get to your potential in Christ and so uh, we're all learning together and I'm going to speak sensitively, but I believe, I really believe that today God is going to move in this service. So as we get started, let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, I just thank you today, Lord, that you are here and that Holy Spirit, you have something to say to us about family. And God, I pray that uh, regardless of the words that I prepared, God, you have a message specifically, personally, uh, in light of everything that's happening in our families, you have something to say to us to get us on the right track, to make sure that we reach our true potential. We ask you to be with us today in Jesus name. And everybody said... Amen. How many of you uh, have ever um, um, done something or said something or committed to something, and then when you did it, you didn't realize what you got yourself into? Raise your hand. Yeah, okay, just like anything, you know, and family tends to be like that, but marriage in and of itself is a little like that at times. Am I, am I, can I get a witness, right? Is that how you say it in some church? Like, can I get a witness? And you people go, amen. So like sometimes like it's hard because you don't realize what you're getting yourself into because really when you're young and you get married, what we're really just, you're really hoping this thing works out, but you thought she was cute and you thought he was like Prince Charming. And then when you got into it, you didn't realize what it took. And when I got married, I did not realize that when I said I do, it meant I would going to have to do things that I didn't want to do. I'll give you an example. <laughs> About a month and a half ago, my wife came to me and she said, uh, honey, we need uh, some new 
kitchen chairs. I said, oh, okay, great. Let's get some kitchen chairs. That sounds amazing. I can do that. I have a card where I go to the store and I can buy the, the furniture. They could deliver it. We can sit on the chairs. That's not what she had in mind. She came to me and she said, I found these chairs that I like. It's from this store. I don't know if you guys know this store. It's a Swedish made store. It's, it's not a big store. It's very unpopular. And so you don't know what it is. It's called Ikea. Have y'all ever been to Ikea before? Raise your hand if you've been to, Have any of y'all bought a piece of furniture from Ikea? Raise your hand. Okay, so I want you to understand that when my wife, I didn't realize that when my wife told me we wanted, she wanted some new furniture, that I would be going into a, a lifelong relationship with a piece of furniture that would start with me having to put it together. Now, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I'm very, very handy. These hands are very manly. And they're very, very, uh, what, what is it? What's the word? They're very construction driven. I can do a lot with these hands. And so I decided, I, we went and we bought chairs and we got them home and they come in boxes because nothing is assembled at a, Ikea. And so I brought it home and, and I, I, I followed the directions. And these are the directions that I got. I got these directions right here. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you a, 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 a I want to, just so we're all on the same page. This is typically... <laughs> The directions. Now, I like this scripture. I like this whole this scripture. I like this this picture because this is me right here. They 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 made a whole picture. This dude's confused. So they're what they're saying. Have you noticed? There's no words on their instructions. And so they so what they did is they said you get confused. This is a universal whether it's in Sweden or it's in America. If you're confused, call somebody. If you're confused, call somebody. But you know what's interesting about this picture? Clearly a man didn't make this picture because we don't call nobody. We don't need no directions. <laughs> so, so what I did was, now I'll be honest, okay? I'm a little bit of a, 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 of a rule follower at times. And so what I did is I'll go to the next. The, 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 so it starts off like this. So, hey, here you go. Here's step one. Everybody say step one. And then you go to step two. Everybody say step two. So you follow the directions. The first my first iteration, I followed the directions, and this is what came out, okay? So I came out, and, and the chair came out. Now, this is beautiful. This is a piece of furniture that I put together. I can sit on it. It feels nice. I like it. I followed the directions. After a few chairs, we bought about six of them. After a few chairs, I started to get the feeling that I got this thing all figured out. And so what I started to do is I said, you know what? I don't need these stinking directions. I know what I'm doing. So instead of following the directions, what did I do? I just started following the man directions. Come on, guys. We know. We don't need no directions. Google Maps, who? Right? Like, I know where I'm going. If I got lost, it's because I wanted to get lost. Thank you. And so I started putting the chair together, and this is what happened. So my wife walked in and she goes, uh, and y'all ladies, y'all know how to do this. You say, what, what happened? All the ladies in here say, what happened? what happened? Yeah, what happened? And I was like, what do you mean what happened? It's a perfectly good chair. <laughs> we, we could use it. It's, it's, and she goes, this is unused. She used this interesting word. She says, this is, this is dysfunctional. <laughs> this is a dysfunctional chair. It does not work. And uh, I was thinking about that the other day because... What's interesting about the theory behind an Ikea piece of furniture is that the designers of this chair 
designed it to be put together in order. Everybody say in order. They, they designed it. They even gave you instructions. One, two, three. And if you're smart, you follow the directions and you go through the order, right? There's a priority in place. There's this determining fact. The designers said, if you do it like this, it's going to come out right. But if you don't, if you skip steps, I skipped steps. I did not follow the directions. I did not go in order. I didn't have the right priority. And this thing is really, it's a, it's a, it's a, Nice paperweight, but it's not a chair. It's dysfunctional. Now, the principle behind it is a simple principle that I, I want to I maybe just relate today. Is the principle is this. Priorities. Everybody say priorities. priorities. Determine, determine potential. Say it again. Say priorities. priorities. Determine, determine potential. Yeah, so there, there is some things in your life that if you, you all have, there's a potential in all parts of our lives. There's potential in your physical body. There's a potential in your finances. There's a potential in your marriage. There's a potential in your kids. There's a potential in your spiritual walk. And, and there's, the potential is literally this, is what could be, right? There's a design behind it. There's a potential that you can reach, but if you don't put things in priority, you won't reach your potential and your life will be, by definition, dysfunctional. So your family, we'll just talk about your family for a minute. You need to know this. Family is not an accident. Family isn't a series of weird people put together on accident. <laughs> Even though that might feel like that's what it is in your family. Family is a designed thing. God designed family. God created family. So by definition, the designer has a way of doing things in your life so that you can fulfill the potential of your family. And we walk around in our life, and how many of us feel like maybe our family don't look quite like this? Our family kind of looks like this. And I would go to say, I'd, I'd, look, I'd probably argue to say there's probably a reason behind that. It wasn't because God made sure, you know, God's a mean God and he wants to give, make it hard for you. No, no, no. He, he designed your family to work like this. But if we don't put things in priority, if we don't have the right order to things, our families look like this. Priority is extremely important to God. I'll show it to you. There's a great scripture in 1 Corinthians. Paul is a writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. He's writing to Christians in a city called Corinth. And he says this. He says, God, so he says, our God, but our God is not a God of disorder. So he says, God, the God that we serve, he's not a God of dysfunction and disorder and mispriority. This is not your best. This is not God's best. This is not what he wants for you. Some of the people think that. We think like, well, God's just a mean God ready to get us. And he wants, he, he, he laughs when our family looks like this. No, no, no. This was God's original plan, the God of peace. He's the God of peace. Now, the word peace there in the Greek, this is an interesting word. I want to show it to you. This is, this is so good. Peace right here is I, Rene. Everybody say I, Rene. Okay, so here's what's interesting. The word peace there in the Greek means when all essential parts are joined together properly. So God's perfect will for your life is for all things to be put together in the right order and in the right way and in the right proper matter. It matters to God. God's a God of order. God's a God of, of right priorities. God's a God of peace. And he wants that for your life. I'll show it to you in the Old Testament. God, 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 God cares about priority. There's some first things first. There, he cares about stuff that's in order. In the Old Testament, he says this. This is in Exodus. You, you might have heard this before. But he says, you shall have no other gods before me. Everybody say before. Before, before is a word of priority. 
That's a priority-driven word. If there was something before, then that means there's something after. And if God says that there should be something before, and that means that by definition there should be some things after, and if we don't live like that, we get dysfunction. By definition, our families don't function. They just don't. I'll give it to you in the New Testament. It's all throughout Scripture. There's just themes throughout Scripture. I'm just giving you a couple. New Testament says this, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So his disciples are sitting down talking to Jesus, and they're asking him, say, Hey, listen, you've been teaching us a lot of this stuff. But just summarize it for us. Get to the point. And he says, says What's the greatest? He says, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. I, I love that. He says, Start with God. And then he goes on. That's the first and greatest commandment. First is a language of priority. If there's something first, come on, by definition, there's got to be something what? Second. Yeah, so then he goes, and second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So he says, listen, priority is a big deal to God. It's a big deal. In fact, he summarizes it by saying this. If you're taking notes, just write this down. This is so good. God first. Everybody say God first. Man second. Say it again. God first. Man second. Now, some of us intuitively know that and believe that and want that to be in our lives because you grew up as a Christian. Maybe you didn't grow up as a Christian and you're like, this is great, brand new information because I actually thought it was quite the opposite. But regardless of where you are, you need to know how you live your life. Isn't that a good question? How do you know that your life is full of the right priorities? God is first and man is second. How do you know that? Well, Jesus taught on this. Last week, we talked about, week one was, uh, was we talked about perfect families, really, have are Christ-centered families. Everybody say that. Perfect families are Christ-centered families. So Jesus is talking on the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, look, your family has to have Christ in the middle of it. But then he goes on to say, but listen, I get it, because sometimes you're going to have to make some decisions. You're going to have to say no to some things and say yes to some things, Right? And so he says, let me go deep dive into this. Here's how you know if you have the right priorities. He talks about it in Matthew chapter 6. This is still the Sermon on the Mount. This is like a continuation of last week. And he says this. He says, for where your treasure is. Everybody say treasure. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Now, many preachers preach this scripture when it comes to money. But, and, and that is true. It does pertain to money, but it's not just money. In fact, the word treasure there in the Greek is uh, thesaros. Everybody say thesaros. This is good. This is really, this is powerful. This is literally what it means. It means the most precious or valuable things. Could be a treasury of things. And for most of us, I could be honest with you, you can say we can probably summarize most of our treasure in our life when it comes to a human is really three things. It's time, it's energy, and it's money. And so what Jesus was trying to say is he says you can't, you can't separate the two. And the reason it's treasure, the reason it's valuable, the reason that it's special is because it's limited. Have you noticed, have you noticed that you don't have unlimited time, unlimited energy, and unlimited money? Have you noticed that? There's a, uh, I read an, uh, an article, I was talking to a, a guy in our church, and, and I, was, I was mentioning him this thought, and he, sa- he says, yeah, that's why baseball cards, there's some baseball cards that are extremely valuable. And I go, I go, well, what do you mean? He goes, there's this baseball card by a guy named Honus Wagner. I'm going to show it to you. This is, the, this is the baseball card. This baseball card was just recently sold for $3.12 million. It's a piece of paper. It's a piece of paper. And he goes, he goes, it's extremely valuable. And I go, why is it extremely valuable? Like, what makes it valuable? He goes, there was only 10 made. And everybody wants it. And I go, wow, I guess that is true. Value is determined by its limited availability. And here's what I found. Here's what I found. 
that you have a limited availability of time, you have a limited availability of energy, and you have a limited availability of money. And so at the end of the day, you need to be careful where you put your treasure because they're linked. You can't separate treasure and heart. So what Jesus was really teaching us, he was saying, listen, you need to have the right priorities. You need to put your, your, your energy, you need to put your treasure in the right areas because if you don't, you're going to end up with dysfunction junction, right? It just is what it is. Like if you're not careful because you got a limited amount of resources, you got a limited amount of treasure, if you're not careful, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come up and get you. And priorities are made evident by how we spend our time, energy, and money. How you know where your treasure is, is you look to where it is. How you know what you value, you look to where your treasure is. It's why, it's why I value my kids more than I value your kids. Now, I don't devalue your kids. I love your children. I think they're great. But they're not my kids. And I don't love them as much as I love my children. Do you want to know why? It's not just because they have my last name. I mean, it is powerful in and of itself. <laughs> Grijalva, you know what I'm saying? Just, man, God. Anyway, um, it's because I put most of my treasure into those kids. You want to know why your kids are more valuable than my kids to you? Because you have put probably the most treasure into those kids your time come on your energy and your money i read an article the other day just give you an idea of money for an average middle-income family to raise a kid it will cost you this amount of money two hundred and thirty three thousand dollars six hundred and ten dollars to, to actually get them to year 18 without college so so to say that I value my kids is important. I, they have my heart. You want to know why they have my heart? Because they got my treasure. Yeah. You can't separate your treasure and your heart. You put your treasure. So here, here's what I teach today. Okay. Here's the, here's the thesis for those of you who are high C personalities. Where are we going with this? Here's the thesis for, 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 for us today. Where we put our treasure. We've got, God wants us to put our treasure okay, to the right things. Everybody say right things in the right order so we can receive the right reward. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we, can, we can get what God wants us to. We can get to our potential, but it starts with priorities. It starts with priorities. In the time I have to, left today, I want to talk to you about how to have perfect priorities, how to have perfect priorities, how to have Christ-centered priorities. Because I've realized that the more people I talk to, they, they weren't taught Christ-centered ways of living when their priorities in their life. Because you're going to have to say yes to some things. You're going to have to say no to some things. Again, we want to get to our potential, right? Number one, number one, the first priority in every family's life is number one, is, is this, is, is God. First, first priority is God. God has to start. Now, now, this is different than a Christ-centered family. I'm talking about you having a personal relationship with, with Jesus Christ. You, you have, you, it has to be personal. It has to be relational. It has to be driven on connection. It has to be driven on the fact that you and him actually have a conversation on a regular basis. Moms, dads, kids, it all starts with your personal connection with God. It does not necessarily mean your connection with your church. I know sometimes they're like, well, how do you separate the two? Here's how you, you can. It is possible for you to be highly involved into your church and actually be highly disengaged with your God. It's possible. I'll prove it to you. That happened 
during the time that Jesus walked the earth. A group of people known as the Pharisees were highly involved, highly religious, highly involved in their church. They did, they went to all the services, they served at all the campuses, they did all, they, they, you know, they changed all the babies, they parked all the cars, they knew all the lingo, they read all the Bible, and then forgot the God of the Bible. So much so that he was walking in front of them. And they could not see him. I love this quote by, uh, there's a pastor named Tim Keller. And he says this, he says, Pharisees find God useful. Followers find God beautiful. The question you have to ask yourself is God first in your life. In fact, Jesus teaches that in, 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 in Matthew chapter 6. He says, seek first, right? Everybody say, seek first. Seek first the kingdom. So what he was saying, he's saying you, you personally have to seek first and make sure God's number one in your life. And if he's not, what he tends to become is, is less beautiful and more useful over time because you're just using God to get to heaven when God's whole point was to bring heaven to you as long as you're just in relationship with him. Just be in relationship with him. Just don't treat him like a lifeguard. Treat him like a friend. Don't treat him like a, a Santa. Treat him like a brother. Treat him like a God. Treat him like someone who's in your family. Treat him like you care about him. Treat him like you actually talk to him more than times and you just need him. God has to be a personal God to you. The second priority for every family to keep things in order to, so we can get to our potential. Second thing is this, is family. Now, now, now listen, family is interesting. Family in, in, in and of itself is, is been driven and created by God. Genesis chapter 2 says this. I want to show this to you. Genesis chapter 2 says, Therefore man shall leave, ever say leave, leave his, mother, his father and his mother and shall cleave, ever say cleave, unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. I will say this, that for most men, guys, if you're in here in tune, I'll say this, for most men, they struggle with this principle. Because when you have leave issues, you have cleave issues. When you have leave issues, you have cleave issues. Well, mama always did it like this, and my wife doesn't do that. You have leave issues. You ain't married to your mama. And so when you have leave issues, you have cleave issues, and you can't properly cleave to your wife if you have not properly led your mama. And no one amends me on those things because everyone goes through that. That's probably, if I'm honest, that's the number one thing I struggle with in my whole life with my counselor. He's like, Aaron, you need to leave. She ain't your mom. She's your wife. So leave issues lead to cleave issues, Yes. So we need to have our priorities in order when it comes to our family. So we have a family under God that's number two. But inside of our family, there's our own priorities. You need to know this. Your marriage is number one in your family. Under God, your marriage is number one in your family. He established it. He started it. He said you, you got to get your marriage right. The best gift you can give to your kids is a healthy marriage. It's true. And many families right now, in fact, if you look at culture, there's a lot of even great teaching. Make your kids the center of your life. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? When you neglect to leave, when you neglect and you look at the things that you created that were given to you that are gifts, they're gifts, they're good things, but they're not God things. And one day they're going to be gone. And the thing that you neglected, you're supposed to live with your entire life. You're going to find yourself one day looking at them going, I don't even know who you are. Because the thing we've created our life around is gone now. 
Your marriage has to be number one. Men and women come together as one. It starts there. Then kids are number two. That's important. Kids are a gift. Kids are generous. Kids are a blessing. Don't treat them like burdens. They're blessings. And they're right under the family. They're right under the marriage. Third point is this. Third, third, third priority for, come on, potential. Third priority for every family they need to keep in terms of how they make their decisions. Church. Everybody say church. You need to care about the God-giving people that God put in your life and the spiritual family you're walking with. It matters who you hang out with, y'all. It just does. You can't say the church don't matter. Uh, I, talk to people, I sometimes talk to people, and they're like, I love Jesus. I don't like the church. I'm like, that don't make no sense. <laughs> Sounds really cool. You saw that on a tweet somewhere, huh? I was on a shirt. Somebody made a cool shirt out of that, and you're like, oh, I'm going to borrow that because I don't like religion, and I don't like this. You're, you're, you're so fancy. Sometimes we're so smart, right? It's like, no, 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 hold on. Acts chapter 20 says this. I'm going to read to you. Acts chapter 20 says, pay careful attention to yourselves. He's speaking to leaders. This is to me. This ain't even to you. So this is a rebuke to me. He said, be careful. Like, to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. I'm an overseer of this church. I'm an overseer. Like, I'm an, over, I'm an oversteward. That's what I do. I steward. I don't own you. I don't own this church. It's not my church. You are not my people. You're God's people. You're God's church. He, you're his problem. I'm just trying to help. So, to, to care for the what? The church. I'm going to say church. Church of God, which obtained with his own blood, he died for the church. So he's not asking you to die for it, but he is asking you to live for it. And some of us are like, well, I can't live for the, I, I, I can't, I don't, I, I, no, 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 no. It's a priority in a God-centered family. The Christ Center, if we're talking about perfect priorities, you want to get to this. You don't want to get to this, right? It's important. Third one is this, or the last one is this, the fourth one, life, then everything else. Everything else. What is life? Everything else. Careers, hobbies, jobs, whatever. Everything else. Just you can. Then you can. It, honestly, at this point, as long as these are in order, this really, honestly, come on. They, it it makes itself. It 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 just they figure it itself out. It really does. Because these are in order. These establish. These are right. Now, uh, as I wrap up today, some of the biggest as a pastor, just some of the big mispriorities of our life. I just wanted to highlight. And, and I want to attack it because they're demons and they're, they're starting, they're, they're rooted in lies. And so I want to highlight the lie and give you the truth. Well, the first biggest mispriority, mis instead of these, one of the first biggest mispriorities is life over God. Is people who choose to put life over God, over their relationship with God, so they move it, right? Instead of life being at the bottom, they've made life number one. And it's at the top because it's, if it's over God, it's over, it's over everything. And they've made life over God because they believe the lie. And here's the life uh, and the life over God. If I make God first, then I will miss out on life. Like if I make God first, I'm not going to make it to the football game. If I make life, if I make God first, then I won't ever have any fun. If I make God first, then I won't ever enjoy life. If I make God first, my kids aren't going to get to go to like to go to sports and we're going to let relationships and we're going to let jobs and we're going to let hobbies get in the way of growing our relationship with God. So an example is this is, is families who regularly, can, uh, this is not legalistic. Please don't hear me and say this is a rule or a law. This is, has nothing to do with that. But I am saying it could be an indicator. It could be. It's, it's families who overly, overly plan to be in and have their kids act involved in a sport, in a extracurricular activity that keeps them from church. Now, does that happen from time to time? Sure. Yes. I'm not saying that's evil. I'm just saying, be careful how you build. Because I've known parents who'd be like, man, 
I did not realize that when I kept my kid in soccer on, on, instead of church, and then they grew up to 18, they didn't have a value in church. And I'm like, but you built that way. But, but you built that way. They saw you not value it. They, and then you, you empowered it. And so I'm not, again, please don't hear me. This is not a legalistic thing. Like, thou shalt not ever have a kid in sports on Sunday. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying is that if you're doing it on a regular basis that's keeping your kid, be careful, right? We got to be careful how we build. I'll say this again. Here's, a, here's another one. When work conflicts with your daily spiritual practices and you and yourself have elevated career to a point where you don't even meet with God anymore, you're like, no, 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 I don't have time. I don't have time to do a daily devotional. I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to, ha- to talk with God. I don't have time to go deep. I don't have time to listen to worship. I don't have time. You don't understand. My work is X, Y, and Z. All you've done is elevated life for God. And you might be getting dysfunction. Second is this, uh, another mispriority that I see a lot. Uh, and this is, like, this is like confessions of a pastor, okay? Like people I talk to. Um, kids over marriage. We talked about it, right? Like whenever you invert those two things, it could be very, very dangerous. And here's the lie. Here's the lie behind this when, when families do that. If I don't do this for them, they will fail. Like if I'm not there for them in every aspect of their life, they're not going to make it. And the problem with that is, is that we can inadvertently overly, create an overly dependent kid on us. And so when they become 18 or 19 or 20 or 35, by the time they move out, they don't even know. They, once you remove the parent from their life, they become dysfunctional. And they don't know how, to know how to live. And we can create that unintentionally. It's like our love can almost come to an extreme. It's, it's just not good. And we make kids parent-centered instead of Christ-centered. You are not their savior. Sometimes, can I say this? Sometimes they need to fall. And, 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 and. And here's the danger. If, if we don't regularly teach them to rely on God, they'll never know how to do it. They'll never know how to do it. My pastor said this to me several years back. He says, I got 18 years to teach my children how to trust God more than they trust me. And they can't trust God if you're always there going, I got you. <laughs> Helicopter parents. Can I do one more? <laughs> All right. Uh, the third one is it career over family. You know, this is this is the lie that that says that says um, put it up there so I can read it. If I don't if I don't provide a level of living for my family, they won't love me. Can I just tell you this? The, the thing you probably could provide to them more than anything in the world is you. Oftentimes we do this because we were reacting right to what you didn't have growing up. Or you're reacting to what you did have growing up. And we all say those crazy statements. I, I'm going to give my kids everything. Come on, everything I never, I never what? I never what? Yeah. I never had. And you, you neglect the things that you did have that they really need. Adversity could be the best thing for your family. But, but they can get through it with you. I'm going to close with this, just this thought. Remember, perfect Families are made up of perfect priorities. doesn't mean you get it all figured out. It does mean, though, that you put things in right order because God cares about order. 
And once you establish the priorities, you have to protect it. Because what I've noticed is, is that a lot of families and a lot of people will come in and try to hijack your priorities. And so they'll invite you to things that will bring your kids to someplace else on Sunday morning. Or they'll invite you to give, they'll invite you to misprioritize your life. And if you don't have a vision, if you don't have that, that flow, if you don't have that as your bedrock of, nope, this is how we make decisions. God first, family second, church third, life fourth. Come on. And if you don't have that as a vision, you live in reaction mode rather than vision mode. And every great family I know, look, there's a vision. They gave me a picture of this thing when I was putting it together. They showed me a picture. They said, this is what it's supposed to look like when you're done. God gave us a picture. And hopefully that will help us prioritize right in our families. Let's pray. Father, we just prayed today, God, that, that Lord, as you've revealed to us in your scripture and in your word, Lord, how to create perfect families, not families that do everything right, but families that, that, that prioritize well, that prioritize God, family, church, life. If we could get this right and we put things in order, we can have the potential of our family. 